Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 366. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And what an afternoon it is. It's a beautiful, sunny Saturday out here in the Maritimes. Uh, I don't know what it's like in in, in your neck of the woods. Is it uh, smoky? and No smoke. We got lots of rain. <laughs> <laughs> it's dissipating the smoke. It is. We're just sending it down south where it belongs. You got it. <laughs> well, it's uh like I said, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful day out here in upper up in Canada. Um which means it's summertime and it's the uh the dog days of the hockey season, which means there's almost nothing. That is why we've uh we've slid to one show a week. Cause we can only make up so much stuff. <laughs> so so much we can do <laughs> yeah uh i know that uh treg would have loved to have been here but like i said it's summer there's family things on the go he is an elderly grandfather and needs to spend time <laughs> with them before the end comes <laughs> he's old he's really really old um all right so for today, well, this week, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about maybe who we think might be the next player traded. Uh, we'll talk about what we expect from the Canadians next season, you know, who should be in the leadership role, and a couple other things. So let's just start right off the top and talk about who we feel should be the next player to be traded. Matt, who do you think should... M- will likely be the first player traded. I, I I understand that a lot of people want to move some players out right now. Uh the main the main guys being Hoffman, Armia, um, some on Dvorak, etc. Just those are going to be some hard contracts to move. And uh with Ken Hughes already saying he doesn't he doesn't really want to move out um a draft pick like up upwards maybe of a second round pick that do have quite a bit of value. Um, to move out a contract, especially with a with a person that's only got a year left on their deal. If they could move out somebody, I would say to move out Hoffman because I think that he's getting in the way of a guy like maybe like a Yelonen from being in the lineup a uh, full time, and these other guys that are trying to take that next step. It is only for a season. He's going to be likely one of those guys that they'll retain salary and try to move at the deadline. He would be my number one pick, but as of right now, I just I don't see anybody um, stepping up to the plate and taking that kind of deal on. And if the Canadians are unwilling to just give up the contract with a draft pick or with a prospect or something to get nothing back, like what we've seen with uh, with other deals, like with Josh Bailey, for instance, um, then I don't think it's going to happen. And I think that right now it's 
you're going to see these veteran players come to the uh, come to training camp, and unfortunately, they're going to push out guys that might deserve it a little bit more than them, and uh, they might have to wait a little bit of a year or wait till an injury, which is something that uh, with the Canadians lately, it's it's just kind of an inevitable. And they're they're kind of the next guys that are going to be up and and have that opportunity. We saw it with Harvey Pinard last year, and that uh, that bode well for him. He he got a contract out of it, but um, right now, if if it isn't if it isn't one of the like if it isn't Hoffman, I would say it's Armia. But even then, I think that there would have to be some sort of sweetener in that deal. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think having these older players moved out would be helpful. You've got guys like Slavkovsky and Harvey Pinard and Yelonen and several on defense. They're all waiver eligible, which yeah. means. And, 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 and Army is not an old guy. Army is only 29. No. Right. And he still yeah. does bring, he still does bring something to the team when he's healthy and when he's engaged, he is a tremendous penalty killer. He, he can do those right things. It's, the five on five and it's the inconsistency that, that he has, right? Like the year that he got that contract, he, he like, he looked like a whole other player. Like he looked like that player that was that former first round pick. And then and he is just digressed from there. Yeah. And I agree. He absolutely has. And I have a theory on to, as to why he played the way he did. And he looked the way he did. And he's playing the way he is now. He shows up when the games matter. He'll put in the effort when yeah. games matter. So we saw it. We if they saw don't, we played for the world championships. Yeah, exactly. And when when the games don't really matter that much, or he's just going through the motions, that's all he does. He just shows up and plays a robotic style game, and he's completely ineffective. Yeah. He needs that that added pressure to have the motivation to actually put in that effort. Which, unfortunately, yeah, that's part of the reason why he's he's fallen from being a 16th overall pick to being. A, a bottom six player right. and he only plays well when games matter Yeah, he, really like we saw it in the playoffs so for the canadians to move him they have to basically give him away and whoever gets him if they're a contender they'll get some decent hockey out of him yeah yeah and the only other guy that i brought up was uh christian dvorak and i think that he's on the on the say the lower end, I think he's got the highest yeah. value right now. But depending on, I like I know we're going to talk about New Hook later on, um, yeah. but um, depending on health of the players, depending on the way Martinez Saint Louis wants to put up his lineup, he's going to add that insurance to at least a third line role. And he's a guy that can kill penalties, and he's a guy that can ultimately win faceoffs. Uh, we saw that with um, we saw how important that was with Sean Monahan and being able to get some offensive starts. And even if you're getting offensive starts from your bottom six, having puck possession like puck possession helps helps you win games, right? So if you all of a sudden take Christian Dvorak out of the mix, you don't get another guy back that can win faceoffs. Well. Suzuki's got better, but he's still a sub 50% guy. Kirby Doc, he didn't take he's a lot under of 40. But yeah, he's under 40. He didn't take, yeah. all, take a lot of faceoffs last year. And then other than that, like you've got Evans. Evans is 
usually around 50%, just above 50%, but he's got to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And then you've got new hook who I don't have his numbers up. Give me one second. He's a sub 40% as well. Last season. Yeah. He was 41.4 last year. Right. So no. yeah, you're 40, 40%. So you, you move a guy out like that. It's, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna create a hole in your life. Well, especially considering, uh, Dvorsky is second on the team in faceoff percentage, just behind Monahan, and those two players were lost for long periods last year. And I don't know if Dvorsky is going to get anything for a trade right now. I don't think it's a good idea. His value is a little lower than it should be because he is injured. He's just coming off that injury. They're not going to give him much. <laughs> you said Dvorsky. <laughs> Dvorak. Dvorak. <laughs> yeah. Same, same thing. I had the same. draft on my mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's all good. So <laughs> he did just sign his contract. So, yeah. <laughs> with the with a different team. Um yeah. but with with uh, with Dvorak, he's coming off an injury. His value isn't as high as it could be or should be for the Canadians to make a move. And like you said, he provides a value to the team at the moment. He he gives he can play those defensive minutes, take on the penalty killing role. And that'll open up ice for Suzuki to play more of an offensive role because we've seen his offense is starting to grow. You want to give him more opportunity to do that. And if you take away those harder minutes on the defensive side and in matchups, he can focus more on the offensive game. And going from saying playing 22 to 23 minutes a game, we can drop that down to 20. He'll be in, he'll be a little bit more rested. He'll be a little bit more focused and he'll be more productive. So that that's a very high value for the Canadians right now, which outstrips whatever trade value they can get. Right. But out of all the uh, out of the all these players, who do you think is the actual player that uh, Hughes is going to move out before the training camp? Because there has to be someone to go. I'm looking. I'm looking up and down the lineup, and like. It's it's gonna really it's gonna really depend on how they look at their lineup because they say you move Dvorak out, that means you're gonna move either Newhook, Doc, Monahan or Monahan to center, right? All the all they they can all play center, but they've all they've all found themselves on the wing as well. So if you look at your top top two centers right now, let's just say they're Monahan and Suzuki, okay. You've got Dvorak as your three, you got Evans as your four. You've got to find spots for those other guys. So even like if you move Dvorak out, you move Monahan down to your third C. Then all of a sudden, who do you who are you going to move in on those wings? Like, are you going to put a Yelonen on there? Are you going to put a Harvey Pinard on there? You got to put Slavkovsky on there, et cetera. Like, where who who fits with who? Right. And I and I and I, and I saw that um like when Monahan was playing on the top line, he's not a he's not a long term top line guy to play with Caulfield and Caulfield and uh, Suzuki, but he was he was effective. As was a guy like Josh Anderson, as was a guy like Kirby Doc, etc. And having a guy that can win faceoffs, even say to play with Kirby Doc, is going to be beneficial, even if he wins the draw and then, um shifter in the play to the wing so i i it's hard to say i would say that they're going to try to move they're going to try to move armia 
Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. But um, if you're looking at actual value and maybe teams might be perhaps calling on, I would say it would be Dvorak. But I think Armia would be the guy that they would like to move. I can see them wanting to move Armia because of this, his contract. $3.4 million for the next two seasons. Um, but to move him out, you're going to have to take back something. So I I put out uh, an article with the hockey writers beginning of June that talked about trading Armia to Washington, which would then be able to take advantage of the whole contender status where he'd actually put in the effort. You know, he's he's a Kovalev, and he plays one out of ten games instead of five. Um, so you send him to Washington, but Washington's not going to just take on cap like that because they have a cap issue as well. they got to buy a whole new blue line. So, so maybe they have to give up someone like Amantha, who has 5.7 on the cap, but it's only for this season. So now you you get rid of that cap hit for next year and you you play out the season with this guy who you don't care if he stays or goes or whatever happens. The problem being, you're not opening up a roster position for those younger guys. It's not ideal. Yeah. You're essentially moving money, stacking all the money from the, the two years into one year and opening up the following season, right? which is helpful cap-wise, but not development-wise for young guys. So maybe it'll be time for Hughes to actually think about packaging a player up with a draft pick just so somebody will take him. Right. Like Chicago it might be, has it might be so it might be something they've got to look at. Like yeah. As as much as you don't want to give somebody away for free, it might be something they might have to look at to kind of accelerate the rebuild. Right. When you think about all the prospects that they have, I mean, Byron Bader uh, has put Montreal as second best in the in in the entire league. He says that there's 30 NHL um, the uh, NHL level players in the prospect pool, and the Canadians have had a shitload of picks over the last few years. And next year they got another 11, 10 or 11 picks again. Yeah. So why not give up a pick? just so they can get rid of that contract. So like a Hoffman to Chicago, for instance. Chicago takes on somebody who can help their power play, who's, who's a shooter, who would be able to help with Bedard, Bedard's passing on a power play, and can fill, to, can fill their roster up while making sure that they still lose games. Right. Because <laughs> they're still trying to get high picks. Yeah. So you give up a second for for them to take him, and you open up that roster spot. You make that cap space, and which this year cap space isn't that big of a deal. What's the big deal is the roster position to open up for someone, say, like a Harvey Pinard or Jesse Jesse Alonen, like you mentioned. There's another guy that I that I could see potentially moving, or maybe even getting picked up on waivers. That'd be Rem Rem Pitlick. He's at one it's right. Possibility. He's at one point yep. one. He'd be a little bit easier to move for the right to the right deal. Maybe like you trade him for an AHL or something like that, or you you trade him for like a high like a like a low draft pick or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Another yeah, one of the, a, a, another one of those guys that can show flash at times. The guy can play all positions, so maybe somebody would take a chance on him. Yeah, if somebody needs a depth player, 
at the NHL level, someone who can fill in on a fourth line on any one of the three forward positions. He's an ideal player to keep uh, up in the press box that you can throw out at any time. Maybe Chris Weidman. See, that's a tougher one because He's... while right-handed defensemen are at a premium, I don't think anybody who is looking for a seventh, a seventh defenseman who's right-handed. It's just, it's a possibility, right? But it's not one I'm expecting. And, and even if they do put them on waivers, it, it'll probably be just to open up space for, say, I don't know, say Reinbacher comes to camp and he he really excels, and they decide, hey, we're going to keep him. That's the only right. reason I can see why they do it. Otherwise, I see Reinbacher just going back to Switzerland. As he should. Yeah. I'd be okay with him being there for another year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially he wants to finish school. Yeah. Uh, it gets him out of the, uh, the limelight for a little bit. And with this, with uh, EHC Cloten, he can return to being the top line, uh, the top pairing defender, their top power play guy, and get a lot more reps in than he would yeah. playing five, six minutes a game like they've been doing with Slavkovsky. So right. while I know he can play in the AHL, I think it's better he takes one more year in, in Europe. Now, we talked about all this movement, all these players coming and going, but we have to we have to think about the leadership roles that these guys fill. And with Edmondson gone, who is going to take over his spot as the next assistant captain with with uh, Galley and Suzuki as the captain? Who's going to be Who's going to be there? David Sabard. Who? David Sabard. Sabard. Yeah. I think I would give him the A right now. If if you're yeah. picking another guy in defense, I'd say give it to David Savard. Like he's a he's a veteran player. He's won a cup. He mm-hmm. he's he's kind of been with this team through through the through the bullshit. He's still he, he's still played to above his potential. Let's just say that. And um, I think he's been a really good role model for the uh, for the young defenseman coming in. So I would have no issue whatsoever um, bringing, uh, putting an A on uh, Savard's shirt for sure. Oh, yeah. no, I, I I back you 100% on that. I think he would be an excellent choice. Um, the fact that he's from the area, he signed as a free agent, he wants to be there. I think that has a lot to do with it uh, if he were to get it. Another player I think that could get the A, and that's Michael Matheson. Yeah, he'd be, my, he'd be my he'd be my he'd be my second choice. Yeah, yeah, and more than likely, I think he's the one that's going to get it because he's a more higher uh, profile type player. He'll be on the ice a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, and he's there for a little bit longer, and it's less likely that he gets traded. So they might go that direction instead. Right. But there's one player I think who might come out of the left field for this. Now, if, I'm going to give up my left field pick. You can you can think of one for yourself. Sure. Someone who you think could be an assistant captain who might get picked, but more than likely won't. And my left field pick would be uh, Arbor Jack. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, one, because, you know, Treg's not here to say it. So I have to say it for him. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and two, I, it, he's, he's the type of guy that'll step up for his teammates and do everything he humanly can to help the team. So that's another aspect of leadership that I think deserves a look at the very right. least. Right. 
Okay. Well, if you're going to do your left field, I'll do mine. I'll say Cole Caulfield. Is it going to be another guy that's going to be there for uh, for eight more seasons with uh, with the Canadians captain? Mm-hmm. Want to build that leadership core up, and then you've got a guy like Gallagher who's still going to be there for four more years. That's going to mm-hmm. be able to be yeah, well yeah, on paper mm-hmm. that uh, that they're going to be there to mentor these guys. However, I can see it more more going to a defenseman. So I would say our original two picks of uh, Savard and Matheson is more than likely. However, we have seen in the past seeing a guy wearing a C and then having two A's on the road, two A's at home. Um, if they do that kind of situation, then I would say, um, say Gallagher and Caulfield and then Savard and Matheson. And kind of and kind of roll it out that way. Another guy that I could see as a potential would be Josh Anderson. Yeah, he has worn the assistant captain a a couple times through the season. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's definitely someone I think they would take a, they would take a look at for sure. Yeah, that's not a left field. I think that's yeah. a good pick. Yeah, but if you're looking at uh, if you're looking at um, just having a C with the two A's, then I'd say more than likely Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki, Gallagher, and then one of Matheson Savard. And I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. No, no, definitely not. Well, I mean, it's it's much real. Depends where you go. If you're on Twitter, <laughs> there's definitely going to be someone complaining. Yeah. There, there's always is. You go to threads, everyone's super positive there for now until, uh, <laughs> I don't know, next week when things start to go downhill. It has been pretty positive. I do admit, yeah. it has been a pretty positive space. I've only used it a little bit, but it's pretty damn positive. Well, it's like it, like Twitter was when it first came out. Everyone was, you know, friendly and happy. There's not enough bots yeah. running around, putting up Nazi symbols like Twitter has now. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot more positive. Yeah, it's a lot less political. A lot less, but a lot less political. It's kind of nice. God, I love it. I love it. I'm going to say uh, we're not supposed to be political because of what we do for a living, but I'm going to say this. Fuck all your politics. <laughs> Notice that was, how gen- I didn't pick that was, that was generic, that. though. That was generic, though. You're, allowed, generic, to, you're yeah. allowed to say that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like it when we just stick to stuff that matters, like hockey and beer. Exactly. Uh, all right. So the final, well, kind of final. We'll, we'll Switch over to Alex Newhook. So we talked about the center depth for the Canadians at the start. Newhook's a center. Yep. But I don't expect him to be a center when he gets to Montreal. No, neither do I. It, it, it screams they picked him up to play in the top six. And I really believe that they have Doc earmarked for that second line center position. So... That means New Hook's, New Hook's going to have to play in the wing somewhere. Yes. Towards the end of the year, when he's playing in Colorado, he was playing a really, he was very much playing a depth role, and even at times playing on the fourth line. And yeah. um, it was kind of surprising to see because with the amount of injuries that Colorado had, they were still, they gave him some opportunity, but a lot of the times they went with JT Confer, they went with, uh, um, was it Rodriguez, right? They went with those Rodriguez, guys. Yeah. Or Rodriguez, yeah, Rodriguez. And um, both of those guys have now moved on. 
right? As has Newhook, obviously, being traded from Colorado. But Colorado went out to kind of maybe do a stopgap, and they picked up um, Ryan Johansson from Nashville, right? So I'm hoping that Newhook is another one of those guys, like a doc, that maybe wasn't utilized to his potential in Chicago. Montreal swooped in. He got some new coaching. He got some new people around him. Kind of unlocked a little bit of this potential, and we'll go from there. The contract that he signed, four years, 2.9 per, I think it's a really good contract, especially if it pans out. Um, it kind of gives the team a little bit of a wiggle room uh, with him. Yep. Um, playing with not the best players around him and having all the injuries on the team and playing, say – maybe outside of his style because instead of playing more of a um a fast pace kind of on the fly type style he was more or less at a third fourth line role playing more of a dump and chase and playing more of yeah. a four checking role something that a guy that's uh you know 510 isn't really used to doing as much well he's good on the four check but that's because of his speed he can put the pressure on for on defense using his speed he's not uh, he's not suited to play that four checking style in a cycle game yeah so for a guy still put up 30 points last year he did play all yeah. 82 games which is which is nice to see how, uh, <laughs> how <laughs> right um <laughs> however it's also kind of where he played throughout the lineup and he, and he really did play all over. And yeah. um, I, I really do think that say if a guy like uh, Landis would have been healthy, that maybe he would have saw a little bit more time. saw a little bit of time with him and maybe been given that role as a two C a little bit more and having a little bit more skill around him. Instead, He's with the Canadians now, and I'm really hoping that um, he's going to end up being more of like one of these doc type players. And we've seen what Martin Saint Louis can do with young players. He's only 22 years old. He's from Newfoundland. <laughs> All right, yeah. we know that we know those people like to work, and um, they do. And uh, I, I really think he's going to put that work in. I really do, and I think that. Uh, He's gonna surprise some people next year. I, I can I can see him being a twenty goal scorer in Montreal next year. I think it's gonna come from the basic fact that he's going to have more opportunity now in Colorado. It made sense that they wanted him to play that bigger role, but he just for whatever reason he couldn't grasp onto that brass ring and hold on to it because in Colorado, even with all the injuries they were still competing to get into the playoffs and then try and do a deep run in the playoffs. So they were relying more on veterans because the coach knew what to expect of these guys. Every now and then new hook would make a small error that would create a, uh, a a giveaway, a rush up against uh, a goal against something. And he would push him down the lineup in Montreal under St. Louis, who at the moment doesn't seem to care as much about the mistakes as long as you're not making the same ones over and over again. He's going to get the leeway to make those mistakes and learn from them. And if you, and without having to worry about moving down the lineup or off the lineup. So 
just that alone, I think we're going to see a big jump in his play. There's going to be, there's going to be warts to his game and we're going to see them throughout the season. But I believe that the, the progression for him, we're going to see a big sharp, uh, sharp upward spike. Like we saw with doc, it wasn't a perfect spike. There was ups and downs, but it was steadily, steadily moving up. So that's, that's my expectation to see from him, especially if he's on the wing, this, this is a guy whose game is built on speed and the Canadians offense is built on transition with speed. So you put him on the wing, he'll be able to blow past defenders with speed. You have some defensemen who can hit him with a perfect pass while he's going up ice. So like, you know, Matheson, for instance, we mentioned him earlier, uh, Baron, I know people are a little down on Baron, but that's, that's a strength of his game. Uh, Dooley, people think he's just this big brute of a defenseman, but he's actually a very good puck mover. That first pass of his is, yeah, he's a very fluent skater, too. Yeah, so and you get a guy that can play that physical style that can move his feet, yeah, it's gonna make those those hits a lot harder. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so we're gonna see a player who fits into a style a lot better, who's gonna have more opportunity and we're going to see a little bit more out of him. Do I think he's going to be a 90 point player? No, no, no. But someone who can get 50 points this season. Absolutely. Yeah. But is he a guy like, who would you, if say he was a, you're, you play him in the top six. Okay. I wouldn't play him on the top line. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting, all right. I'm not putting him up there with, uh, with Suzuki and Caulfield. Put him on the second line. Is Monahan your two C? Or is Docker two C? That's kind of the question that a lot of people are asking right now. If it's Doc, so you put New Hook on that line on, on on the left hand side with say Josh Anderson, or do you put Kerb or do you put Monahan there with New Hook and Anderson, and then maybe play Doc up on the uh, the top line as a winger to start the year, right? Like I know the that. They 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 brought in Doc to be a center, but they're gonna have to they're like they're gonna have to figure this out. They're gonna have to do a little. There and you're gonna see it during training camp. You're gonna do see some rolling lines, some different um, options there. But I, I I think it's gonna end up being it's gonna be one of those two guys. And if if they wanna if they want to uh, give New Hook an opportunity, I think it's gonna be as a second line left wing to start. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. Um, I do see it more as trying to fit him in with a couple of pairs. I think putting him on the top line, we're going to see that for sure with him and and Suzuki and Caulfield because of his playmaking. Uh, I don't think it's going to stick for very long because they're all undersized. Yes. They need a little bit of, they need a little bit of muscle on that line. Um, Put him with Doc. I agree. Monahan needs to be there with Doc so that he can start taking some face-offs and maybe uh, mentor Doc on the face-off side because that's really the only part of being a center that Doc is yeah. missing. But it's also something that Monahan can do with Newhook, if need be. That's right. right? So whoever whoever pairs up with Monahan is going to get that extra, you know, in-game in-game experience. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think New Hook's gonna start down the lineup because I think that may that probably like the third line left wing position. I'm saying that's more for Slavkovsky right now, and then have yeah. maybe like a yeah. Slavkovsky, Dvorak, Gallagher type third line. 
something that a little bit of defensive or kind of a defensive sound lineup that can still get the puck up the ice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to see Caulfield play on the left wing with Anderson on the right and then new hook on the right for the second line. I would not be surprised to see that. Right. St. Louis is going to try his best to get as much of his top offensive players together in those top two lines. Now, the, the third line is not going to be a slouch either. Um, Dvorak is still a 0.5 point per game player who, who could possibly give you 40, 45 points. Yep. So that's not uh, that's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Slavkovsky, I agree. I think he's going to start there. And he's definitely going to take a giant leap forward in his development and likely going to score a few more points. So, I mean, it's not hard to say he's going to get more than 10 points. Um, then you have, oh God, there's so many other players you can, it, it all depends who stays. Yeah, it does. Because like somebody like you and we're, we're, we're still, like we just talked about the top nine and we didn't even talk about yeah. Harvey Pernard. And that's the thing. Right. That's why it all depends who stays. Because if Harvey Pinard stays, he's going to be in that bottom six. Yeah. Somewhere. Right. And then there's still guys that are going to be trying to get spots. You alone and guys like uh, Sean Farrell, etc. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're all guys that are going to try to, you know, Mike Hoffman, for instance, Armia. Right. These are guys that are that want they're going to want to be in the NHL lineup. They're not going to want to be sitting on the bench. So yeah. Phil Machar, Joshua Roy. Yeah. Uh, Owen Beck might be yeah. fighting for a center position. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I know that a lot of these guys are expected to play in the minors or back in junior, but we don't know what's going to happen at camp yet. It's true. That's true. And there's still there's still time for moves to be made. So yeah. You know, Ken Hughes, yeah, Hughes if, say if you're listening, which you probably are. Oh, of course. <laughs> you're on the clock <laughs> you're on the clock and he might be make, looking to make these moves not to make room for a Harvey Pinard or for or for anyone else but he might be doing it to make room for Leah Sanderson right right I, I, I know a lot of people say no no that's silly that's not going to happen but or when he Leah offers Anderson... you the Rangers for a left run year what <laughs> did I say that I said out loud Sorry. <laughs> hey, you bring in a Ranger connection. I throw out a Ranger connection, yeah. right? <laughs> well, they're just going to trade Hoffman straight up for for him. Yeah. So yeah, because that's how that's how it works, right? Yeah. Garbage in, garbage out. It's always yeah. the way it works. <laughs> and the Habs garbage is always worth everyone's best. So oh, always there always. you go. Yeah. Always, always. Um. All right. So. One final thing, um, based on the current lineup, yep. the one that's actually there now. I mean, we're not, you know, you got to keep Armia, you got to keep uh, Hoffman, all the uh, the downward slope type guys. When you look at the season, if they're still on the roster, are we expecting the team to stay in the bottom five of the NHL, or are they moving up? If they stay healthy, <laughs> that's a big if, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, I have a glass table, so I can't knock, right? <laughs> um, but if they can stay healthy, I can see them. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. 
unfortunately. But they're going to make. No, I agree. They're going to make upward progression, which is good, which we want to see. Um, but I can see them being one of those fight for wild card spot type teams that might just come up a little bit short, kind of like what Ottawa Buffalo did this year. Right, be a pain in the ass for a lot of teams that play them. Um, steal some points away from some of the teams that need them, but all the but unfortunately come up short at the end. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think a win for the Canadians right now is the fact that they would be healthy through the season. And by healthy, I mean not lose 700 man games. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> Maybe keep it to 100, 200. The one, the one thing that I don't want to see, though, is the team to be questioning what they are at the trade deadline. I agree. Right. I totally agree. That would be that for me, that would be that would be a big negative. Um, because you don't want to, you don't want them to say, okay, we're going to keep our own rentals or we're going to keep this, or we're going to do this when maybe a deal is out there. That's going to help a contending team, a more contending team. We'll just say that. Right. We saw, we saw, we saw flashes last year with the, with the, with the, the team that they had. And then it was just injury after injury, after injury, after injury. And guys were forced into positions that they're not used to playing, playing minutes that they're not used to playing. And we saw some guys excel in those positions. Um, mm-hmm. However, we saw a few that uh, just couldn't take. So if they can continue, yeah. if they can stay healthy to start the year and not throw the lines in the blender and kind of gain a little bit of chemistry, again, I can see them being one of those, on the outside looking in teams, but not a bottom five team. And just kind of being one of those pain in the ass teams to play against. I don't expect Hughes and Gorton to uh, second guess their plan. I don't think they're going to move off what they're doing now. I mean, you look at the Monahan signing and everything about it screams, we're trading guys at the deadline. The only reason I would think that they would even come off that plan is if the Canadians are somehow, by some random miracle, sitting near first place overall. Right. Which we know is not going to happen. Right. There's going to be there's going to be some teams that are going to uh, that are going to maybe fall back. There's going to be some that are going to jump yep. forward, especially within the Eastern the Eastern Conference. Um. However. It's hockey. Who the hell? Who the hell knows? Um, it's if they come and, and and for me, like the biggest the biggest question mark is going to be the Canadians' goaltending. Is uh, is Montembeau going to be, um, you know, uh, Monty of old, or is he going to be this uh, player that uh, that showed up at the World Championships for Canada and played so well? Who knows? Are the team going to stay healthy? Like these are the these are the questions you get asked, and we're not going to know for a little while. So I'm hoping that uh, team comes in, they compete, they make it fun, you know, for the fans to watch, and uh, you know, hopefully that uh, that home opener, I believe it's on the October 14th against Chicago. Hopefully yep. it's uh, hopefully it's a a crowd that's behind the team, and hopefully they put on a hell of a performance for their fans. Well, being that it's the home opener, I think the fans will still be uh, upbeat. Um, and I'm expecting to see a team, the Canadians over the season, 
like you said, be a team that's going to be in the mix, so to speak, with the the last wild card. Uh, I, probably if if they if they stay relatively healthy, I mean, only two or three guys injured at a time instead of twelve. Um, <clears throat> I can see this team being a team that is competing and is in the mix right up until about the end of March. Right. Because <clears throat> after the trade deadline. They'll start to move down a little bit and then get eliminated sometime around the end of March. But the team's going to play exciting hockey like it did last season. And it'll be a little bit more meaningful throughout more of the year. And, and that's really the step you want to see from a team that's rebuilding. They they sucked hard. <laughs> then they, they were bad, but they were fun to watch. Yeah. Now you want them to be fun to watch, but not quite as bad. It, it's incremental steps. And I think that's where we're going to be at this year. So that's uh, that's pretty much everything. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? I'm happy to be back behind the mic with the amount of <laughs> the amount that I've been working, the amount that I've been working. It's nice to be back. Um, it kind of seems like uh, since getting back from the draft, all I've been doing is going to work. So yeah, it's nice to uh, nice to be back and uh, hopefully get on here at a little bit more of a, a regular uh, regular schedule. Um, hockey's just just really around the corner. Like it just kind of seems like it stopped the other day, but uh, it's not too far away. Now we're going to still have lots to talk about and uh, more shows coming up. Hopefully the three of us can get together for one, but uh, you know how it is with military life and uh, with families and summer leave and all that kind of stuff. It's you kind of take it when you can. So uh, yeah, happy to be back. And um, yeah, just looking forward to uh for to a good off season and hopefully maybe a couple more moves that we can talk about in the future. All right. And for me, I'd uh, just like to for my final thought, I'd like to send out a happy birthday to my youngest brother. Uh he is turned 45. So um as a gift, I have sent you some Motrin. I know people might make fun of that, but that stuff is gold. It'll take care of any hangover you have. And I know you're gonna need that when you're done drinking with your boys, especially his son. Oh, he's so big. Oh my God. <laughs> Massive kid. Uh, anyway, so happy birthday to my brother, Wade. And for everyone that's still here, still listening, still tuning in, I want to thank you all for everything that you're, you're doing to help us keep sending those emails in, keep sending in the comments. We really appreciate the feedback that you give. We're trying our best to implement any ideas that you may have. Uh, If you have any ideas for segments that you'd like to do or like to see, let us know. We're happy to do those. Uh, We are going to be trying to get some guests that you have asked for. Uh, Namely, one special guest would be Treg. I know he's (laughs) he's the popular guest to be asked for. We're we're doing our best. He's a difficult guy to, uh, to pin down. He gets all greasy when he works out. So it's kind of like a grease pig and just slides right through. Um, So again, thank you everyone for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know, and he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. 
do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.